Welcome to the Hockey Newscast, your source for info and updates from around the league. I'm your host, Matthew. Let's get into it. Welcome back. Today we're going to be taking a look at what the Sharks did this offseason, and I'll give you my take on them. The first thing we're going to take a look at is the trades the Sharks made. So on June 7th, they traded their 11th overall pick to the Arizona Coyotes. The Arizona Coyotes sent the Sharks the 28th overall, the 34th overall, and the 45th overall. Now, in the draft, it is a gamble, and the more chips you have, the better odds you have. What this is showing, though, is that Mike Greer has trust and respect for the scouting staff because he's trusting them to hit on guys later in the draft. I saw some scouting reports show that the players they drafted a little later in that second round, end of the first round, could turn into something great. Honestly, we won't know the results of this trade till years down the line, but I'm hoping we can look back on it with bright eyes and think what a great move by Mike Greer moving down in the draft. I will also be doing a full breakdown of the Sharks draft day later, so I'm not going to get too into it right now. The next trade they made was July 8th. They sent Nashville a third round pick in 2023 and John Leonard for Luke Cunnan. I think it was clear that John Leonard was done with the Sharks. It's sad, but Sharks have a history of just giving up on prospects, especially if they were a late round pick. So, plus a third round pick gets you a player who will play in the bottom six lineup every night. He brings a physical nature, and he's still pretty young. I think this is a pretty decent trade. Maybe a little overpaid with John Leonard and the third round pick. But overall, I guess it does strengthen the bottom six lineup of the Sharks. The next trade, and this is a big one, was July 13th. They sent Brent Burns, with 34% of the contract retained, and Lane Peterson to the Carolina Hurricanes. The Carolina Hurricanes sent back a third-round pick in 2023, Steven Lorenzo and Itu Makanemi. I think this move mostly happened because Burns wanted it to happen, and honestly, good for him. Go get a cup, man. The Itu Makanemi is a goalie prospect, and he's an interesting one. He could make it to the NHL one day, but I don't think we're expecting him to turn into a number one starting goaltender. So it could be an interesting prospect, kind of taking a chance on him. Steven Lorenzo is a big guy at 6'4". He is 26 years old, and he only put up 12 points in 67 games. This is to make the team tougher, not necessarily better. Then a third round pick threw in. Overall, this trade is okay. I was more down on it until I saw that Vegas had just straight up give Max Pacioretty away for nothing to the Carolina Hurricanes, so I think that could have happened in this trade, so overall I'm pretty happy with what we got. Okay, and that's really it all for trade, so let's take a look at some free agent signings, and we're going to start in June. So the first signing that they have is Gannon LaRock. He signed his entry-level contract three years at $925,000 AAV. 
Uh, LaRock tore it up in the WHL and finished the season in the AHL. I'm excited to see him play a full season in the AHL, and he's definitely ahead of schedule, so I'm pretty excited about it. The next person they signed is Oscar Lindblom. He signed a two-year deal at 2.5 million AAV. He's only 25 years old and has already beaten cancer and is probably due for a change in teams. On the struggling Flyers lineup, he put up 26 points. With a low AAV young age, he is for sure with the risk. Just a great signing by Greer, and I'm hopefully he, hopefully he can play in the top six consistently and put up some points. Nico Sturm signed for three years at 2 million AAV. At 27 years old, just coming off a Stanley Cup win, low AAV for a skill player to add to the bottom six. A great signing, and he'll probably lock down that third-line center role that they've been trying to fill for four years. Nick Bedino did an okay job last year. He's consistent, but I think they were hoping for someone who could put up more goals, put up more points. Marcus Nudavara signed a one-year $1.75 million AAV. With trading Burns away, the right side could be pretty weak, so it's a cheap, good signing for added support. I don't know if he's going to play every night, but he's just definitely going to chip in every now and then. Matt Benning signed four years at $1.25 million. Same idea as Nudavar, just added support for that right side. Probably going to play more of a top six role than a top four role. The only problem with this signing is the term is too long. Four years is too long for a guy like Matt Benning. But the AAV is only 1.25, so overall... It's probably not going to matter long term. There was a couple signings coming up next. They were all kind of AHL signings, so I'll kind of combine them all together. The first one is CJ Seuss. He signed a one-year at 750 AAV. Andrew Nagazu, one-year at 775 AAV. And our good old friend Aaron Dell at one year at 775 AAV. I doubt any of these players are going to make it to the NHL. They're probably just going to all stay in the AHL and play down there. This next signing is Capo Kakinen, two years at 2.75 million AAV. Now, this one has me excited. I think Capo can be our number one goalie of the future. He did go 2 6 and 1. But the Sharks were horrible, and they played horrible in front of him. And he still put up a 9.16 save percentage and a goals against average of 2.86. I'm very much looking forward to the tandem of hill capo tandem in the future. These are a couple other signings that are pretty similar in my mind. Uh, both bottom six guys, both can hit, uh, and both can score a little. But they were brought in to make the Sharks harder to play against not necessarily more skilled. We already talked about these guys in the trades. Uh, the first one is Luke Cunnan. He signed a two-year at 2.75 million AAV. And Steven Lorenzo, two years at 1.05 million AAV. Cunnan put up 22 points in 82 games, and Lorenzo put up 13 points in 67 games. They're both fine for the bottom six roles. They put up decent points. They hit hard. They make the Sharks harder to play against. And that's something that is good. The problem here is Shasha Sklamanetsky, who's somebody I was pretty excited about as a prospect, took a look at the bottom six roles that were available. 
And seeing that Mike Greer filled out most of them, he decided to sign a contract in the KHL just to get out of here because he wanted to actually play, which is fair enough. So I think it sucks that these older guys who are basically developed and they are what they are, are taking roles out of, taking roles away from the younger players, the Sharks, who we don't know what they could be. They have not reached their potential at all. Now, at the end of July, the Sharks did sign a new head coach, David Quinn. His last job was with the Rangers, and if some rumors are true, he did not get along great with the young players in the Rangers. But I think overall, I don't think those rumors have much stock. And he's had a couple years off, so I think he's going to come at this with a fresh attitude. And I'm not really concerned about him benching our young players like Thomas Bordalo or William Eklund. I think there is a problem that younger players could be put on a shorter leash and not been given the ability just to grow and make mistakes. And there's going to be guys, older guys, who are not super skilled, but they don't make lots of mistakes. They're just, they're consistent, but they're not the best, but they're not the worst. And I think young players have to be able to make those mistakes, but sometimes they're just put on such a short leash that they feel like they can't do that. They have to stay in this box. So I'm hoping that won't happen with David Quinn, but I think that is a risk, and I'm just hoping that's not going to be the reality of what the Sharks are looking for this year. August 4th, uh, they signed Mario Ferraro to four years at $3.25 million. Honestly, I love this signing. He's a solid defenseman. No, he's not the best one, and maybe he would be better to be in a top six role than a top four role but he puts 100% effort into every game. He's a great leader, and I would love to see Ferraro spend his whole career in San Jose. Now let's take a quick look at what the lineup might look like. Now the first line could be Timo Meyer, Tomas Hurdle, and Alexander Barabanov. I say, don't fix what ain't broken, and that first line is great. The second line could be Oscar Lindblom, Logan Couture, and Eklund, I think you'd have to put Eklund in a top six role. I don't think it would really make sense to put him in a bottom six role, so I think that's the spot he would slide right in. The third line could be LeBlanc, Nico Sturm, or Thomas Bertolo. Not sure who would take that third line center job. And Luke Cunnan. The fourth line could be Steven Lorenzo, Nick Benino, and Noah Greger, or Jeffrey Vielle. Whichever one, they'd probably keep switching them in and out there. The defense is going to look a little weird. Uh, You're probably going to have Mario Ferraro and Eric Carlson on that top pairing. I think you're not going to mess with that. We did get news a couple days ago that Nikolai Knizhov tore one of his muscles in his leg skin, so he's out to like the all-star break, which is honestly going to really hurt them. This season, they were quite weak on that left side. They're weak with the fence altogether. Um, so I think that's going to really hurt them. So I don't know what they're going to do with that. I guess that is the benefit of signing Matt Benning and Nudavara. And they can probably play either side. But then you'd probably have Vlasic or Shimmick going up to that second pair. Uh, and then you'd probably have Ryan Merkley. I'm assuming he's going to be given a lot more leeway this year with Brent Burns gone. And then on the bottom pairing, you're going to have Nudavara, Benning, 
I think they're just going to get constantly swapped out. That bottom four is constantly going to get rearranged. The only steady piece is probably going to be Ryan Markley on that second pair. The question will be what the Sharks do is putting value in younger players or putting value in older players. I think even the general manager has shown some leeway in what he's going to do. He does say that the Sharks do need to retool. They can't just come out and be competitive right away. But also, they're not totally in for the idea of just totally rebuilding. So I think they're still going to try to win, which does not make a lot of sense to me. Um, But I think, I hope what they don't do is they sacrifice the development of younger players just to win some games in this, this season or next season. I know it sells more tickets, but I think overall the team will be better three years from now than just trying to win games right now, make the playoffs maybe, and then just get demolished in the first round. They also only have $2 million in cap space, so it's not like they have a lot of room to maneuver at the deadline. But basically, those were my thoughts about the Sharks' offseason right now, and I will make sure I put out another episode about the Sharks' draft day in the next coming weeks. Thank you for listening to the Hockey Newscast. Make sure you subscribe and follow me on Twitter to stay updated on hockey news.